Praise the Lord for his presence, his goodness to us, for being able to have the joy of the Lord. How many of you are happy today? You're happy? Joyful? I'm happy and joyful. And uh, the preview day guests, could you just raise your hand so I could see where you are and, oh my word, all through there. That's just great. And uh, I just have to do something just strictly for the fun of it. Doug, would you come up here? In the Old Testament, the priestly caste wore robes. In the North Central, the priestly caste wear um, the the same outfits. (laughs) So there you go. You're just a little piece of theology there. It's good to have fun, isn't it? Laughter. What does the Bible say? Laughter doeth good. It's good to laugh. It's good to do a lot of things. Pray and fast and laugh and share life with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and with one another. We've had a good week. We've had a good semester. Um, There is a discernible operation of the Spirit that is taking place uh, here at North Central. This last summer, I began to pray, dear God, give us a revival in this coming year. I have hesitated to use the word revival uh, because the word can put in people's minds snapshots of what they think revival looks like. And uh, there are many different kinds of snapshots. And they can be misleading. Um, In 1993, I began to develop material and preach on history of and theology of revival. And then in 1995, in uh, Florida, Pensacola, Florida, a revival broke out. And uh, we've sung some songs this morning that actually pick up a major theme of that revival, the river the river metaphor or the analogy, the flow of the river of God. And the Brownsville Revival um, carried on for about eight years, 1995 to, 19, or to 2002 or three. Historically, revivals usually have about a three-year period of time where you have the uh, very unusual activities of um, extended, very long services, uh, week-long meetings or, you know, just things like that. And uh, Brownsville certainly had a deep impact on many, many people across America. And this message this morning is not about the theology and history of revival, but as is the case, <clears throat> those kinds of things will come and go. That's historically true from Azusa to the New Hebrides to the Welch Revival to uh, Latter Rain Revival, Charismatic Renewal and uh, Brownsville and others. They come and go. I have said um, that really I'm against revival because the first thing you need to have a revival is something that was alive and has died and has to be revived. So rather than the pattern of life and death and revival, why could we not just have vival? Okay? constant flow of the Holy Spirit. So if you want to do some good theology, 
uh, go over here to the Mississippi River, stand there for a while, and you'll learn something about God. And that is the flow, the constant powerful flow. And then you could also go to Phoenix, Arizona, and see where they have carved out uh, and paved gullies in the city that almost never have any water in them. The first time I was in Phoenix, I was they had these bridges over these dry gullies with no water in them. My brother lived there, and my folks lived there for a while, and I said, what, what are all these dry gullies about? <clears throat> well, every once in a while, we get a flash flood, and there's no place for the water to go. And so, any of you been in Phoenix and seen those? You've got these bridges over gullies with no water in them. <clears throat> But then they get a, what's called a gully washer, you know, or a flash flood. The plan of God is for a constant flow, not an occasional flash flood. Okay? A constant flow, not an occasional flash flood. So, on that, I recommend that you shower every day instead of once every six months. <clears throat> That's good theology, isn't it? That's very good theology. It's also good for the neighbors who sit with you in chapel. We've sung a couple of songs having to do with river. I did not ask for those to have those words in it, but I talked with Jeff Dio a few weeks ago, and I said, Jeff, uh, we need to do some flow songs. He said, okay, we can do flow songs. Because the imagery of a constant flow is the imagery that really comes out of the Bible, of the constancy of God's powerful flow of the Spirit, which is His plan and will. Unfortunately, we as human beings, in our distress, we seek God. In our success, we turn from God. Okay? In our distress, this is the human nature. In our distress, we seek the Lord. In our success, we think we can do it on ourselves, which then can create that pattern of uh, apostasy, revival, apostasy, revival, apostasy, revival. That is not God's plan. It's a description of human nature. And if we could just grow up in the things of God, we could get beyond that life-death, right? Life-death, revival, death. Get beyond that to vival. And what I have been sensing <clears throat> is that we are seeing a kind of flow here at North Central this year that speaks of a very, very healthy relationship to the spiritual practices that bring about a constant flow. And what I, that sentence I just said, I, I wish you could somehow, the spiritual practices that bring about a constant flow. And uh, we've been working on some things that we'll be announcing here in the spring semester about spiritual practices that will help us achieve a higher level of constant flow of the work of the Holy Spirit. And uh, so this is very, very good and very healthy. I want to commend the students and faculty, staff, and everyone hungry for God, but not hungry for or desirous of a flash flood that then dries up and we go back to normal. No, no, we don't want human normal. We want God's normal supernatural plan, which is a constant flow. I became president of the school in 1995. First person who came to see me was a friend, a board member, Randy McPherson. And uh, Randy came and he said, he's a businessman, he attended North Central. He said, Gordon, I have a prophetic word for you. 
And he took me to Ezekiel 47, and there is there the story of a river, and the, being led out into the river, water up to the ankles and the knees to the loins, water deep enough to swim in. The ninth verse there says, and everywhere the river goes, there will be life and things will be made fresh. And he said to me, Gordon, in, in the work of the presidency, there will be many things you will face that will need to be made alive and will be need, need to be made fresh. Human tendency is to try to clean out the swamps on your own. But he said, if you try to clean out a swamp on your own, all you ever do is get covered with muddy, rancid, stinky, dead swamp mud and water. You cannot do it on your own. Let the flow of the Holy Spirit wash clean the swamps. It was a prophetic word. I have carried it with me and to this day. <clears throat> now, my human tendency is to want to fix things. Right? How many of you have a fixer mindset? Yeah, got to do something about it. Well, yes, we need to show up and try to work with God in what God is doing. But I'll tell you, he did not call us to clean out swamps in our human effort because it cannot be done. He did not call us to raise the dead in our human effort. It cannot be done. Did not call us to part seas in our human effort because it cannot be done. But he did call us to do some things in partnership with God. And so this morning, the um, slides that uh, we've prepared, we have three of them. <clears throat> I'll be glad when I get my new glasses so that I'll be able to see both near and far. Um, the first one we have up there is, yeah, now on the great day of the feast, can you see it there? Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow, what's the word, rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. But they had not received it yet, for the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. This is a very interesting, time-accurate uh, passage that Jesus will be crucified, dead, buried, raised from the dead, ascended into heaven, and after that, then the Holy Spirit will come. The passage uh, occurs before Jesus is crucified, and so it says, those who were to receive, and certainly, after the death, burial, resurrection, glorification of Christ, the Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost. And through this week, uh, Heath Adamson, in his messages, has used the word Pentecost and Pentecostal. Uh, it's a very good word because it uh, speaks of the Bible and the historic and historical Pentecostal movement. At the same time, words do stimulate images in your mind. And some people, when they, you think of Pentecostal, think of certain things about Pentecostal people. Energetic, emotional, and uh, sometimes overly emotional, you know, things like that. But the word Pentecostal really means something along the lines, the flow of the Spirit of God, the outpouring of the Spirit of God on people, uh, the empowerment of people by the Spirit of God, Spirit-filled. And so the Pentecostal, charismatic, um, uh, those kinds of images are what we have in mind when we think of this flow of the river of God. Well, to have a river out, you've got to get a river in. 
And uh, that's why spiritual practices of constant inflowing will make it possible for us to have constant outflow rivers of living water. The uh, second slide is, okay, Romans 8.14, for all who are being led by the Spirit, led by the Spirit, these are the sons, the offspring, the children of God. In a moment, we'll go to a passage in Acts that will demonstrate the leading of the Spirit. That's why I wanted to just use this. God will lead us, all right? We'll come to that in a moment. And then in Acts chapter 10, where we will be in just a moment, verse 38. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. During periods of spiritual renewal and revival, things that are out of the ordinary will occur. They are extraordinary or not normal, or they are abnormal. Miracles are abnormal. They are a change from the natural physical laws of sickness and death and the like to the incorporation of the supernatural work of God, so things are done differently than you would have in the natural order. And people will do things that are different, sometimes odd. Um, People break out of the norm. And so some of the images about revival focus on that kind of unusual behavior that occurs when people have had a powerful encounter with God. And um, often the, the image is revival service. You run, jump, shout, hoot, holler, shiver, quake, shake, fall down, jump up, run around, come back the next night to do it all over again because we are having revival, okay? Unusual behavior. <clears throat> if you stick your finger in a light socket, you may demonstrate some unusual behavior, okay? Which is to say, when the power of God touches you, hits you, falls on you, you may demonstrate unusual behavior. And that's understandable. At the same time, a word of caution. During times of spiritual renewal or revival, there will be unusual, abnormal, even odd things that will happen. But we need to be careful to continually focus on God and not on the odd. Okay? Focus on God, not on the odd. People, good people, during periods of spiritual renewal, perhaps out of ignorance or immaturity, or even intent, may get caught up with the abnormal. In Acts chapter 10, verse 25, and we're going to go to Acts 10 and 11 here in a moment, but Cornelius was a godly man who was praying. And... um, God uh, gave him a revelation. Angel came and talked to him, told him, go find Peter. And when Peter came, Cornelius bowed down to worship Peter. Now, we know that we're not to worship people, right? He bowed down to worship Peter. Well, what's wrong with him? Actually, there's nothing wrong with Cornelius, but he is just responding as best he knows to some supernatural activity. His heart is right. I mean, he's been praying. God has 
revealed something to him. That's a wonderful thing, isn't it? But then what does he do? Peter shows up and he falls down to worship Peter. Now, that's a good illustration of how in the middle of a miraculous supernatural work of God, people may do something that is really out of order, but it doesn't mean that they're bad. It just means they don't understand how to process supernatural activity in a proper way. Acts chapter 14, verse 11, Paul and Barnabas at Lystra. People there, ignorant, but very impressed with what um, the miracles that were being performed. Their interpretation was, oh, these are the gods that have come down, and uh, Zeus and Hermes, and uh, they wanted to sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas, thinking they were gods. Are these people bad? No, they're not bad. They just don't understand how to deal. They didn't have answers for the supernatural behavior uh, and things that they were seeing. Every revival will have this kind of thing. The unusual, the abnormal, things that are uh, out of the norm, odd behavior. But um, we have to be careful that during periods of renewal, when unusual things happen, that we continually focus on God and not on the odd. Okay? That's a very, very good word. During periods of renewal, be careful that you don't let oddballs manipulate you with odd tactics. And Heath Adamson made a few remarks that maybe because of your own age and youth and perhaps uh, having not lived through the Brownsville revival, how many of you were born since uh, 1995, right? See, there's the problem, youth, youth. It's a great blessing, but you need to be 100 years old to understand anything. So uh, you may not have had the experiences that those of us who are older have seen, but um, we have to be very careful during periods of renewal that we don't focus on the odd, but rather we focus on God. So take your Bibles. And do you have your Bible? Right. Then you should. Okay, let's go to Acts chapter 10. It could be that Acts 10 and 11 are two of the most Pentecostal chapters in the Bible because some very spiritual, powerfully spirit-led activities occur in Acts chapters 10 and 11. Here's a thumbnail sketch. Cornelius is a godly man, a devout man who prays. God appears to him in the form of an angel, tells him, go find this guy named Peter. And so... Uh, Peter then is praying and uh, falls into a trance, has a vision, the voice of God speaks to him, tells him to eat food that's prohibited and go be with people that is prohibited, and he has misgivings and it has to occur three times before he finally understands that God is doing something very unusual. And I want to emphasize what Peter was facing. He was being commanded to violate the Old Testament law in terms of food and to violate the Old Testament law in terms of social interaction with the Gentiles. This is very serious stuff. And when you read that passage through, you'll say, and he was perplexed. Listen, when God does something unusual, it is often perplexing. I don't understand this. How do do I integrate this into what I think I know. Heath Adamson said, spirit-led people are radically willing to unlearn 
right? Radically willing to unlearn, radically willing to be open to what God is doing. So some key words in those two chapters are these words. Vision, angel, a shining man who speaks, revelation, direction to go get Peter. That's what Cornelius experienced. Peter, his experiences, trance, vision, a voice speaking to him, the Spirit of God speaking, the doctrinal things I just identified, violating the Old Testament law. Go to the Gentile people, misgivings, all directed by the Holy Spirit. Now, do you see in this that there's a good deal of unusual, abnormal, or odd things that are taking place? Vision, angels, revelation, trance, vision, and the spoken voice of God, right? Trances, for example, visions. So this is a work of the Holy Spirit. It is a powerful and unusual work of the Holy Spirit. The reason I tucked uh, that Romans passage in there, those who are being led of the Spirit, okay, being led of the Spirit. Now, I don't know everything that was going on in Peter's head when he fell into a trance and had a vision and heard a voice that told him to violate the law, but he was perplexed and he was befuddled. And... um, went through it three times because this was very, very serious. But what was actually happening? The Spirit of God was leading him. And it was out of the ordinary and very, very odd, to say the least. But here's the point that I I want to make, and I want you to get hold of this. What was Cornelius doing when the angel showed up? And what was Peter doing when he fell into a trance and had a vision and the Spirit spoke to him? Cornelius, ninth hour of the day, was praying. He was a devout man. This would be a common practice. He probably prayed three times a day. How many of you know that if you pray three times a day, you don't always feel goosebumps and your hair standing on end as you think, oh, it's about time to pray. And so, glory to God, the Spirit of God. You know what I mean? Sometimes you think, no, it's like, oh, time to pray. Cornelius was simply fulfilling spiritual practices in his life. All he was doing was praying. What was Peter doing? Okay, sixth hour of the day, he goes up on the rooftop to pray, and while praying, he got hungry. It was lunchtime. Now, this is, this is fabulous. In the ordinary activities of life, but keeping spiritual practices, Peter was praying and thinking about lunch. When God came to him, and a trance, and a vision, and a revelation, and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Do you see that? The ordinary spiritual practices of life opened up a door for God to do the unusual, miraculous, supernatural work. I'm absolutely convinced neither Cornelius nor Peter had goosebumps or their hair standing on end when they went to prayer. But they had practices in their lives. I will give my life to God and I will pray. 
And God then took advantage of that open door and did supernatural activity. What did God do? Sent an angel, gave visions, put Peter in a trance, spoke by the Holy Spirit, gave a revelation of new theology, and showed them that the gospel would not be restricted to the Jew, but would also go to the Gentile and to the whole world. God did something really momentous, historical, powerful. That's what God did. What did Peter do after all of that? He preached Christ. This is important. After all of that, he went to Cornelius' household, and you can read it there. He told the story of Jesus Christ. Now, that's why then I included for a summary, you know about Jesus, anointed of the Holy Spirit of God, how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. God was with him. He preached Jesus Christ. God then, in response to the preaching, baptized them in the Holy Spirit, and they spoke in tongues. The supernatural work of God during the preaching of the simple message of Jesus Christ. What did Peter do after that? He baptized them in water. So we have a summary, and please catch this summary. What did the people do? What did Cornelius and Peter do? They did the ordinary things, the ordinary spiritual practices that they had in their lives. They prayed and they obeyed. Peter prayed, obeyed, preached Christ, baptized people in water. These are common spiritual activities. What did God do? God did the extraordinary. Trance, vision, angels, voices of the Spirit, revelation of the work of God, new theology, baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. <clears throat> and do you see then? the image that I'm presenting to you. Two rather ordinary people, both of which perplexed by the work of God. Peter shows up, Cornelius falls to worship him. This guy doesn't have full understanding. He doesn't have it all right. Peter, wrestling, telling God, no, I will not rise, kill, and eat, but finally working his way through that, and we learn something about the flow of the Holy Spirit, being led of the Holy Spirit, what our part is and what God's part is. So these lessons we draw from these chapters. First of all, this is very important, and all of your spiritual activity, behavior, stay within the boundaries of Scripture. There's plenty in Scripture. We don't need to become extra-biblical to find something more exciting, some new revelation that is better than trances, visions, miracles, lepers being healed, dead being raised. Look, there's plenty in the Bible. Just stick with that. That is extremely important. Secondly, keep central in your life what is central in the Word of God. Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. He came to get people saved to make people holy, to empower them with the Holy Spirit so they could be a river in the world. Right there you have the three-point priorities of God and of Jesus Christ. And our lives need to be centered on the priorities of God, the purposes of God. Get people saved so they don't go to hell. Get them cleaned up so they can be holy and righteous and liberated 
And we had some language about that. Released from the prisons and the oppression of a carnal and sinful life. Salvation, holiness, and empowered to be a light and a witness, to be a minister, a servant of God in the world. Those are the priorities. Keep those central in your life. Pray and obey and preach Christ and baptize people in water. Stick to the basics. Don't focus on the odd and don't get caught up with the abnormal. There's a certain danger to preaching Acts 10 and 11 because you can present it this way. <clears throat> we are spiritual people and spiritual people have trances and visions and angels appear and the voice of God and we change theology. And if you focus on that, you will end up a heretic and a spiritual shipwreck by focusing on those unusual things that God does. We need to focus on those solid things that we are to do. Go to a rooftop, pray, think about lunch, and give God an opportunity to do the supernatural in your life. This is, this is so encouraging to me. Sometimes people get it exactly backwards. They say, we prayed, God showed up, we danced. So, if we dance, God will show up. No, that isn't how it works. Do you understand that? And sometimes during revivals, <clears throat> people, good people like Cornelius, good people like Peter, have a misunderstanding of supernatural activity. One of the things in every revival, and I visited Brownsville, and I spoke with Kilpatrick and the staff there about these issues. At what point in time do you stop having seven services a week? You see? Because when things begin to change over an eight-year period, and things will change, there's a hesitancy to stop doing what you were doing for fear that you're growing cold or that uh, you're, you know, resisting God or you've gotten worn out or something. So often, here's what happens. People continue doing what they were doing after God has stopped directing them to do it. And that's when revivals become cultish. Don't get things backward. Don't try to do a miracle for God, but let God do a miracle for you. So the conclusion for this message is very, very simple. At noon, go to prayer. Think about lunch, but give God time to do a miracle in your life. And God will be faithful. If God wants to put you in a trance, let him do it. Don't try to do it yourself, and don't let somebody else try to do it for you. You understand? You pray. Wait on God, and God will be faithful. Be radically open to what God may say and do. Obey God. Focus on the basics. Let God do the supernatural. Seek the Lord. Be filled with the Spirit. And out of your innermost being, out of your innermost being, will flow rivers of living water. May we experience trances and visions and the spoken word of God and other things. Those things certainly do happen. But what we do is continually focus 
on God. We say, Lord, please have your way in my life. And I give you my life to do whatever you want to do. And actually, I don't care if it's a trance. I don't care if it's a vision. I don't care if we dance or sit. I don't care if we shout or remain silent. All I care about is this. Holy Spirit, flow through my life. Holy Spirit, flow through my life. I don't want to get caught up with the odd and the abnormal as the Holy Spirit is a newfangled entertainment center. The Holy Spirit is not for entertainment and exhilaration. The Holy Spirit is to empower the people of God to have rivers of living water flow into our being and flow out of our being. Amen? Let's stand together. <clears throat> I invite you and encourage you to continually participate in a practice that we have here at North Central. I have no desire to try to induce anybody into trances over the next hour, right? Or to try to help anybody run, jump, shout, and run the pews and all of those things. What we do is we draw near to God, and God will draw near to us. And when He does that, who knows what may happen? But when it's the supernatural work of God, it will be good and beautiful and powerful and healthy and healing like the river that brings life everywhere it goes. And if you have a swamp in your life, let the Spirit of God wash it out. If you have a friend or someone you care about who has a swamp in their life, pray for them. Don't get in there and try to clean them up on your own. Pray for them and pray with them that the river of God, the river of God, there's such safety, security, and healthy healing in all of this. And so it's noon. Time to go to the rooftop and pray. <clears throat> Think about lunch. And then give God time to the miraculous in your life. He's been doing it. He is doing it. God is moving. Let's give him an opportunity to do it again today. Communion on this side, anointing with oil, people who will pray with you, and God will do a wonderful work. Amen? Let's pray. Come and find a place, begin to pray, and God will do a work. Heavenly Father, we now open our minds and our hearts, our inner being, to the flow of the river of God. We know there's supernatural activity and unusual events, but our focus is on our God. Our focus is on the supernatural God. Come and have your way in our lives. Come, God, we open the door for you to do whatever you want to do. We have no prescription. We have no demands. We have a simple openness. Guide, direct, and lead, and help us, I pray. Come, Holy Spirit, flow through this place. And yes, Lord, we will expect the miraculous but it is not our role to dictate it. It's our role to pray and obey. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Just like Peter on the rooftop, the Spirit of God came to him. Cornelius in prayer, knowing very little, but so open to God, and you did a miraculous work. Help us to be like both Peter and Cornelius, to pray and obey. And let the Holy Spirit work through us, we ask. God, we do pray that that river would flow into our inner being and then flow out of our inner being to bring healing to the nations. The river of God sent to bring healing to people. 
salvation and holiness, and freedom from carnal captivity, the bondage of sin. Come, Holy Spirit, flow through us and make life, create life and purity and beauty and healing and healthy, holy living. Come, Holy Spirit, to empower us, we ask in Jesus' name, to allow us to serve you in power as a witness, anointed by the Holy Spirit, going about doing good, and as Jesus did, healing all those who are oppressed by the devil, because God is with us. This is our prayer today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah, Lord. <clears throat>